I love allowing people to see that where they want to go, what they dream of, where they see themselves, that it's already been done. There's certain lanes that you can take to get there. But if you can see it, like in your mind's eye or you close your eyes and you see a vision of it or you dream about it at night, my love, it's already been done. Like it's it's already a done deal. You don't have to strive and, and feel like, God, I hope one day that is me. It's already you. You just get to decide which path's going to take you there. Hey, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller Podcast. We have a great conversation for you today. Before we dive in, I want to let you know that I'm doing a free workshop January 22nd to the 27th online. If you want to sign up, just go to kathyheller.com slash wealth. Go check it out. It's called The Wealthy Woman Within. All the details are there. It's a free five days with me. We'll be together every single day for about 30 to 45 minutes. And this is going to help you make 2024 the year that the abundance starts to pour in. So go check it out, kathyheller.com slash wealth. It's a free workshop and I can't wait to see you there. So today is really fun because my very good friend, Kate Taylor, is here. She's a professional fashion stylist for entrepreneurs, an image consultant, a podcast host, and she mentors fashion stylist CEOs on how to grow their businesses, increase their income, and maximize their impact. We're going to talk about some of the things that helps her grow her business and what are the most common hurdles for many entrepreneurs and women that are starting out in business. So I think that what we're going to talk about applies to all of us. And we'll also talk about her amazing podcast, The Kate Taylor Show, where she talks about her life and her business and all the mindset and spiritual pieces that you need to succeed. Even if you're not into fashion styling, there's a lot of good information and practices that she shares that could help you rise into who you really want to be. So go check it out. Kate is such a beautiful person. She has tons of integrity. She's talented. And I can attest that she's become someone who's helped me find amazing looks for photo shoots, and is also just this magnetic, amazing person who really helps me feel good in my own skin. She has so much wisdom. She's so down to earth and authentic. I think you'll love her. Without further ado, please welcome the beautiful Kate Taylor. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I love to talk to Kate about so many things, so many things. And so we are going to geek out on talking about business. We're going to geek out on talking about woo. We're going to geek out on talking about all the things that light us up. First and foremost, let's just kind of put all the pieces on the table so people have a, like just a, a context of who you are, what you do, and all that stuff. <laughs> who, who the heck who is the this heck are you? Yeah. <laughs> so tell them a little bit about your journey into like that feeling where you're like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I think I'm going to be a doctor. And then you became this person. And then what you get to do now day to day. Like, let's just give them that story arc. Yeah. So I became a fashion stylist by way of medicine, like all fashion stylists. That's just our path. It's not, it is not our path at all. I was on track to be a doctor. I had done a lot of schooling. I had a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, was working at a Harvard institution, Harvard recommendation letters. I had checked all the boxes and I was doing fashion and beauty on the side for fun. And literally was not getting paid, like was working with someone just to do it, just to be in that world, to just have some sort of creative outlet because it felt like medicine is wonderful. It's amazing. Doctors are incredible. 
but it's the same thing every day for me from like this black and white perspective. Cases were different and all of that, but like the black and white of it. And so I had to have something where I had a creative outlet and I had reached out to a makeup artist in Boston. I was living in Boston, obviously Harvard, uh, for 15 years. And I'd reached out to this artist and said, can I come just watch you? Can I come learn from you? Can I come just like be in your energy? And I'll clean your bathrooms. I'll clean your brushes. I don't care. I don't care what. I just want to be in it. And through being in it, I fell more and more in love with it. And the rubber hit the road when the artist I was working with doing makeup, I was getting to do fashion as well because we were working with celebrities and doing runway and photo shoots and all of that. And she said, look, I need someone full time. And it's either you or someone else. I'd like it to be you because I've spent a lot of time training you. But it's okay if it's not. Just let me know. And I had to have my own little aha, come to Jesus moment, whatever you want to call it, where it was like, dang, do I do this full time or do I keep going to school? And when I really got honest with myself, I was like, I don't want to go to medical school. And I had to just say hard left, quit the job, decide to put everything on the shelf and let's go. Let's go do this. Let's go full in. And it was just always butterflies and, and rainbows. No, it was not. It was not. It was terrifying. You know, I was bartending. I was doing anything I could to just like make it work at the time. And through doing that more, I recognized that what I was really obsessed with was fashion because it was like this instant gratification, whether it was on a photo shoot or with a client or whatever. It was like all of a sudden these people realizing that they could have confidence. Things could change. More was possible. They didn't know they could look this way. It was like amazing. I still love makeup, but that to me was not as creative as fashion. There are makeup artists that feel wildly different. That's why we do what we do, right? But with fashion, it was like, this is just so great. So I decided to stop doing makeup altogether, start my own thing. And I started my fashion styling business in Boston 10 years ago this year. We turned 10 a couple months ago. That's awesome. And I know, right? It's crazy. And just started getting out there and doing it and and making it a thing. But I've never been happier. I've never felt more fulfilled. And it's why I do what I do as far as helping other stylists too. I mean, I help my clients and we do a lot with, with fashion and style. And I'm obsessed with that. I will never not do that. I think it's one of the unique things about me also teaching and training stylists is that I'm still styling. Like I'm still an active fashion stylist. But and I'll always do that because of my creative juju. But I'm able to help other stylists because very early stages of my business, I recognized there wasn't really anyone else out there helping fashion stylists. It was just like, find a business coach or, or figure out something. And I was hearing this rhetoric of, well, you have to really suffer and struggle. It takes a long time to really get there. It takes a long time to make money. You know, people are on their kitchen floor, like making designs for fashion design and you're the stylist. So like, that's even harder. And I was just hearing all of this from fellow stylists. And I immediately was like, I call BS. I don't think that that's true. I think there's got to be a better way. And I've always been into leadership and mentorship my whole life. So I, in that moment, made the decision, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to earn what I thought at the time being successful in this area would be hit six figures in each of the areas. And then I'm going to teach anyone that will listen to me how to do it themselves so they don't have that same thought going through their head. I was like, I'm going to rewrite it. I'm going to be a disruptor in this industry and say, you don't have to suffer and struggle. That's actually a choice. 
And this was before I'd done a world of mindset work, which just supported it. And and that's where I started to doing the mentorship as well. I, I got those levels of success. And I was like, now let's get into it. I don't want anyone else to suffer and struggle if they don't have to. Oh my gosh. Just like walking through a candy store. It's such a fun story. You're so lovable. You're so relatable. <laughs> and it's the dream that we want for the the girl in the movie who we're, we're rooting yes. for. We want her to leave medical school to go do what, what lights her up. <laughs> Unless the, the thing that lights her up is medical school. But totally. In this case, it's just such a fun thing to hear you as the heroine just to like choose yourself. And then I also just want to really like highlight here that where you and I, we have so much in common. But what really stands out to me here is that so that was exactly where I was as a songwriter. I was writing music for film and TV and I had my songs and all these shows and songwriters had this like refrain for, forget the songs and the refrains they would sing in the song. They would sing this refrain about their life, which is songwriters don't make money. You come out to LA to be a songwriter, your dreams die, you wind up being barista and then you have to go work for your dad's insurance company. And I was like, yep, why do you all say this? And so eventually. I was writing all these songs for all these things. And I was like, wow, I'm making six figures doing it. I'm going to start teaching my friends, not ever understanding that I would wind up being a business coach, like never thinking that one day there would be more people who wanted me to tell them how to do it. And that I would personally be so lit up from that, that I would actually, for every thousand people I taught, I would write one song. And eventually I would actually figure out like, that was my calling. It's so interesting, but we yeah. have that in common. And what I love about that is it goes deeper because what you and I have now realized is that the same principles that you teach to a fashion stylist that I taught to a songwriter, the reason why I started a podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job is because I realized that the exact same principles that I would teach a songwriter to be able to make a living doing what they love were the exact same steps in business to any business. And yes. so that's why you have a podcast. That's why anyone wants to learn from you, including all the people listening to you right now. So let's see if we can break these things down a little bit. What do you think is one of the main things that gets in people's way when you meet people who want to have a business? They want to be able to get paid to do what they love. What do you think is one of the main mindset things and one of the main practical things? Let's see if we can break it into two buckets and just free associate because you you could talk about this for hours. Yeah, this is something that I think I've been evolving even recently. And I've been talking to my stylist about this a ton, even this week. But the number one thing that gets in your way is obviously fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of not being accepted, those fears. But what it comes down to, if you were to make a chemistry project and get it down to the actual component of the... I'm going to be science nerd here. But if you were to get down to what's really going on, it comes to a lack of trust in yourself. And it's not your fault if you don't trust yourself. It's what we have been taught since a very early age. Listen to what your parents say. Oh, you thought that happened. That didn't really happen. You don't really know what happened. You're a little kid. You didn't totally get it. It's okay. And you grow up and you reflect back to situations in your life that might have happened when you were younger. And you might say, I was right about that. And that is what happened. I wasn't wrong. I was being gaslit, but not really gaslit. I mean, your parents are looking out for you. They're trying to protect you. But it starts at a very young age where we get this idea that I'm not fully trustworthy in my thoughts or my desires or my dreams. I need to run them by people. And the reason I'm running them by people is to make sure I'm accepted, to make sure I'm loved, to make sure I'm not rejected out of the fold, to make sure people like me, to make sure there's nothing negative that comes my way because we have this archaic part of our brain, our subconscious mind that is actually allowing for the level of success that we're willing to 
enjoying our lives. And But what it's wired to do initially is protect you. And protection looks like stay where you're accepted, stay where you're loved, stay mm-hmm. where people are proud of you, stay where they can brag about you. My whole life as a child was like, get straight A's. Oh, you want to go to med school? Great. I get to brag to all of my friends about that. Awesome. Exactly. Keep going down. Check off the box. Check off the box. But through that and not being honest with ourselves, we trust ourselves less and less and less. So what I see with especially stylists, but a lot of business owners is, and by the way, you guys, this is like my own awareness that I've come to within this year is there's a depth that we can go into, a deeper level of trust with ourselves that we've not leaned into and allowed for the massive amount of success you could actually be experiencing. So that's when you ask me, what is the number one thing? We don't have enough trust in ourselves. It's not our fault. It's how we were kind of raised and brought up, especially women. It's like this whole overarching thing we can get into later, but the patriarchy of like, you know, what does the man say? And you're like, well, I feel like I've got a strong voice too. I feel like I kind of know what's going on yeah. too, right? Yeah. But it's this trust. So I think that's the number one thing when I think about mindset. Strategy-wise, when it comes to stylists, and I see other creatives do this too, they are so great at the creative. They're so fantastic at their art. They're so fantastic at what they do that they start running what I call a jobby, which is a job that you're getting paid for like a hobby, which is not Mm -hmm. at all, not at all, because you're not acting like a business owner. You're not acting like a CEO. You're just like, oh, I'll sell whoever comes and or I'll, I'll do that you know, face or do makeup or whatever, paint the painting whenever someone comes along and I'll be thrilled about it. Instead of saying, I run a business, I run a business. There needs to be consistency. There needs to be income. Like there's bottom line things here that need to happen as a business owner, but they're so in their creative that they don't recognize I need to operate like a CEO. I'm running a business. Those would be the two things I would say. Those are both really giant paradigm shifts. I mean, the first one, I think everyone's nodding their head because it's true. You're Your brain is wired to first protect you. And then how does that show up? Stay where you're accepted. Don't take a risk. And starting something new, especially when it's something you love to do, you feel so vulnerable. Like, what if people don't accept this? What if people say whatever? Then I'll be destroyed. I'll be rejected. And that does not feel safe. And you're right in terms of I've never heard that like a jobby, like a hobby, but it's not. It's your job. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is this feeling of like, well, I'm just so overly grateful that anyone would pay me to do something I love. So I'll just take scraps. It's like, no, it's a business. How do we like really boss up and make sure that we, we care about it the way that we would, we care about an official business. So I know that at this point you've made seven figures. You've been able to be consistent. You've been able to build a big business, but in the beginning you had to start somewhere. (laughs) And so. How would you say that you were able to get like your first 10 clients? Like, what do you think are some of the basics that allowed you to actually step into being paid and getting the right word of mouth or whatever it needs to be to have the right offer said to the right person? What are some of those things that you remember that are steps that you took that you now teach other people? Well, first of all, when I started my business, I was literally throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping it would stick. Like there was no like, oh my God, well, what I did, Kath, was I had all... No, I was like, whoever is willing to work with me, my first ever client, you guys, I thought I'd want the lotto. I have a picture of myself holding this check for $1,500. And I was like, this is it. I've arrived. 
But what you don't know is that check was $1,500 for a year of styling. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so by the end of it, I was basically paying her to come to her house and right. do work, but I thought I'd won the lotto. So th- I did not have it all together at first. But once I started to get a little traction, how did I get my first 10 clients? How did I make sure that that was really rocking and rolling? I stopped allowing myself to get into the minutia. So I must have the perfect website. I must have the perfect social media. I must stop it. That is not the number one thing that you should be focusing on. I started focusing on what does my client need? And well, even before that, the thing that terrified me, but it is the best decision I ever made, is I decided to actually pick an ideal client that was niched down. Instead of saying, I will sell anyone that comes my Mm. way, anyone who's willing to give me money, I picked a client. Now, the client that I picked at first was a doctor because I thought, well, I wanted to be a doctor. So obviously I could style doctors. But fast forward to me styling doctors and I was like, this is the most boring Boring. thing I've ever. I can only style so many Hugo Boss suits. I can't keep doing this. (laughs) I want to bang my head into a wall. So I changed it. And I was like, it's not that. Let's try something else. But I didn't know it wasn't that until I started doing it. I see so many people changing who they're wanting to work with or changing what they're doing just because they're not getting response. It's like, you have to keep going. There's consistency. See if you really want to do it. I saw that I did not really want to do it. So then I picked the client that I did want to work with and I got into what do I need to know about them? What do they like to do? What are they frustrated with around their style? What do they want to be experiencing? How can I get in front of them? And this, you guys, is the most important thing that worked for me. I asked myself, where do these people go? What do they do? And who else are they working with? What they were doing is going to boutiques, going to stores. So I put myself in those stores, in those boutiques and hosted events and said, they're free. Just come and see me. Come see me put looks together. Bring your friends. It's a free shopping event. Experience me. Experience the boutique, whatever. It was a win-win for me in the boutique. The other thing that I did is when I just said, I asked myself, who else do these people work with? I would then go to those people and what I did not do, and if you're doing this, stop. I did not go to those people and say, hi, I'm a stylist. You should talk about me to your people. I can help your people. Because all you're saying when you're doing that, you think you're networking. What you're actually saying is, do my marketing for me. Do work for me. Find clients for me. I didn't do that. What I did do is I went to those people and I said, how can I help you? How can I serve your people? You want me to come in and do a teaching about the power of style? Do you want me to come in and do a presentation? How can I help your people? And then they're like, oh yeah, my people would love to hear about that. That'd be great. Okay, cool. Is it okay if then I talk about my services at the end? Yeah, it's totally fine. So I constantly was looking for how can I be of service? How can I be of service to people that work with my people? And how can I be of service to my people? That's what really helped me get those first 10 clients that were dreamboats, total dreamboats. I put myself where they already were. I didn't stay at home and wait for them to knock on my door and say, Does a stylist happen to live here? I'm really looking for some fashion help. Didn't wait for that. I put myself where they were. I love that. I have a similar story about what I did, which was when I was, I would be calling music supervisors who needed music for Grey's Anatomy or Pretty Little Liars or a Target campaign. And instead of saying, hey, will you listen to my music? Hey, would you listen to my music? I said, how can I serve you? Can I write you like a free track? 
just to yes. see if you want to like put, you know, animation against it. Cause when they do storyboards, they were like, that's really nice. And so I would basically just offer to help. And then nine times out of 10, they would say, we really like you. Do you think that you could create something with horns? Do you think you could create something with hand claps? And I was like, right on top of that, Rose, like, I'll get you that, you know, <laughs> who doesn't love Christina Applegate? So I would just be there as a resource. And so yeah. I think that this leads me to my next question. And it's really like a set of questions, which has to do with how we show up, especially in the, in the space nowadays. It's so much easier, right? When I was starting out my songwriting business, in 2004, I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a smartphone. I had a whatever, like a flip phone. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have social media. I didn't have a way to meet people. Today, you can make deposits all day long for people. You oh can God, create yeah. value constantly. You can create value on a podcast. You can create value in, in freebie offers. You can create value in workshops. You can literally all day long just show up and give to people. And when you look at it that way, you're like, what an amazing opportunity. And I think you and I have really, because we came from that in a 3D brick and mortar space, we just transferred that to the online space. And so you are such a genius at teaching people how to use the online space as a way of launching a business. You do that so well. You have a podcast. You are very consistent in doing launches and live launches. And so many of the people who are listening right now are just eager to have one ounce of the success that you've had with that. Let's talk about the framework, some of the building blocks and the pillars of that. How do you approach your business when it comes to giving free value online? And how do you use that as a path to meeting your perfect client? So I'm of the school of thought that giving value at something at an entry level, like a free event or a free challenge or whatever, is never going to be something that causes someone to say, oh, I got enough. I never need to hire her now. Right. I love going places and learning and getting value. And it just incentivizes me to then say, okay, how do I sign up with this person? This was incredible. So I've kind of modeled that same behavior in my own business. And I've done that. And I think this is important to note. I've done that because that's how I am as a buyer. So I've tried to model things that I would want to see as a consumer. One of the examples of that is on my website, you can see all of my pricing. It's not hidden. There are some stylists, even stylists that I train, that prefer to not have their prices on their website because they want to have a conversation around it. That's not how I shop. That's not how I try to find someone. I just want to just tell me what it is. I don't have a problem investing. I just want to know. So I've kind of tried to model the way that I engage with people online, the way I would want to be engaged with, right? So when we do things like our live launches, those are free events and they're not fluff events. They are content heavy. Actually, so much content, they, they were so content heavy that I've had to dial it back a little bit because some of the participants were like, I'm actually in a little bit of overwhelm. <laughs> you like yeah. gave us so much. Then now I'm a little bit in shutdown and I was like, oh, I don't want to get to that place, right? That place where it's no longer helpful. I've given so much that now they're stunted. So I've had to dial it back a little bit, but not for a lack of wanting to give, just yes. for more of ability to consume. And I love allowing people to see that where they want to go, what they dream of, where they see themselves, that it's already been done. There's certain lanes that you can take to get there. But if you can see it, like in your mind's eye or you close your eyes and you see a vision of it or you dream about it at night, 
my love, it's already been done. Like it's it's already a done deal. You don't have to strive and, and feel like, God, I hope one day that is me. It's already you. You just get to decide which path's going to take you there. Yeah. So if my path is the one that excites you of like, let me get some free content. Let me understand what I'm missing. Let me connect the dots. Great. We also have, you know, guides and things like that. Because the other thing that I like to do is offer content in different ways. So we might have a free guide. I mean, there's all kinds of different minds, right? You can even see my website. My website, when it comes to the styling stuff, the very beginning of the different packages, it's like, here's your bullet points. Here's high level, consume real quick. That's my, you know, one type of brain. The other brain is like, paint the picture for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then you scroll down and it's like, la la, let's go through the fields. So you got to think about my clients are going to have different ways of thinking and consuming. So I like to make sure we have value add free content that meets different needs, different desires, different kinds of brains. And it's always value added is never fluff because there's nothing that irritates me more when I like go somewhere trying to learn something from someone new. You download their guide or you join their event. And it's like, Things that you're like, come on, get to something. Hundred percent, you guys. Oh my god! Omg, I think you and I wind up being the recipients of a lot of love yeah. because, as my friend Kelly Roach says, when they zig, you zag. I think because it's a sad commentary, but so many people don't actually deliver value. Like, there's no yeah. there there. You yeah. and I like stand out. But here's what it is: it's like I wind up loving it because it's so satisfying to really give people free value. Like when you and I both, I mean, they're very different boot camps. I mean, in some ways they're very similar because we're similar types of people, but we're teaching kind of different nuts and bolts. Yeah. When somebody goes through either of our boot camps, they walk away, they're like, holy crap. Like I got so much out of that. That's literally the truth. And the way I look at it is like, great, learn as much as you can because When you come to what's paid, the paid offer, we're just going deeper in all of that. And yeah. really, it's not like I have like thousands of things left to tell you. If anything, it's more like I'll now take the time with you to implement what I just taught you. Yes. Right. So I never hesitate to give as much as I can because you're right. There's a balance. You don't want to put people into overwhelm. And so I've had to kind of like, like, yeah, jiggle with that a little bit and find the right balance. But there's something to be said for really giving people value is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And people sometimes worry, but if I give it all away for free, it's like, no, because people work with people that they know and they like and they trust yeah. you. And so as soon as they get to know Kate and they they learn a lot, they're like, there's no way I'm going to implement this on my own. And I want to do it with her because I like her. So I think that that's a really good way of leading in your business. The other thing I want to ask you about, which you and I have both done similarly as well, you know, if someone were to go look at your things on social media or even look at mine in comparison to some of the women that are our colleagues, they might make a guess and say, oh, well, somebody who has a million and a half followers is probably making seven figures. And I wonder if Kate is, or I wonder if Kathy is. And I think what you and I have done really well is that instead of trying to play the wide game, we played the depth game. And so you and I were both like, we want to make like deep engagement. And so even if you were to look at Kate's Instagram, which is, I wind up screenshotting a lot of your posts because again, (laughs) you have a nice balance of like woo things and mindset things (laughs) and practical things and really cute photos. But 
if you were to look at it, you might make the mistake of thinking, well, she probably doesn't make that much money because I don't know. People sometimes look at the vanity metric, but the way you built your business is what mm. I try to teach, which is that you don't need to catch up to people who are like, you need a hundred thousand people on your list before you can make 10 grand. It's, that's only one way of doing business. Mm-hmm. That is not the case. That is not the life you and I lead. No, it's not the life you and I lead. So let's talk about how you've created intimacy with your audience mm. and how you built a different roadway to your business versus trying to have as many followers as possible. You've just gone in a different direction. Yeah, very early on in my business, when Instagram was becoming like, oh, you got to be on Instagram and you got to have a presence there. It's when people were still doing the, they would buy followers. I don't know if that's uh, still a thing, but but it was. Like you could literally pay for followers. That'll ruin people, your business. That like, it's like nails on a chalkboard for you. Like you cannibalize your whole business by doing that. And not only that, but if you're trying to, oh, I could go so many ways with this. If you're trying to grow your business, you can't grow what you can't measure. And if you're adding fake followers or bots or whatever, just so your vanity metrics go up, well, now the actual data on what you're putting out there is totally effed because you don't know who's responding to what, what's genuine, what's authentic. It's like it messes with everything. So from a very early stage of my business, and I saw peers doing this. I actually saw mentors doing this where they were buying followers and I could tell because it would be like, 30,000 followers. And I would go to one post and it was like two likes. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. So I just decided we will never do that. If we are a slow burn as far as our following goes, I'm cool with that because I want authentic people. Because if I'm at a million followers and 999,000 of them are fake, the 999,000 are never going to buy. So how is that helping me? So we were going to be a slow burn always when it came to that. And I was totally fine with that. Same with our email list. I mean, our email list is way more than our Instagram following. But the point is, it's not at the level of like someone else that has like so many bajillions of followers, but it's qualified people that really know who I am, really connect with who I am and will respond when I put something out there. If you worry about the vanity metrics, you're not focused on what you really should be focusing on, which is connecting with and serving your clients. You're just focused on vanity metrics. And by the way, I had to like check myself with this even last year. You're worried about your vanity metrics for your own ego. That's right. You have a million followers. I guarantee you that is not a million dollars in your bank account, not even close. Coming from fashion, I know a lot of influencers with a frick ton of followers and they're broke as a joke. I mean, they'll they'll get little bumps here and there from different brands that want to send them some stuff and talk about it, but it does not equal the number of followers they have. They've never even seen that kind of money. And the flip side, 15,000, we make way more than that. We have 15,000 followers, we make way more money than that. But those are 15,000 qualified people, not necessarily that are going to buy from me, but they know me. They like me. They want to see my stuff. And that's great. That's what I want. I want connection. I want community. I want conversation because that's what I respond to. Right? 100%. Yeah. Seth Godin talks about his wife. She owns a vegan bakery. They live in Hastings on Hudson. Yeah. That's what I think it's called. It's like north of, what's it called? Riverdale, like in Mm -hmm. New York, north of New York City. 
Mm-hmm. And he said, he uses this as an example. He's like, there was a time somebody came to her and basically said that, you know, they really liked her stuff. And could she make a cake that wasn't vegan because they would prefer it? And he goes, the day that she said no to that customer is the day she grew her business. Oh, yeah. Because she doubled down on not being for everyone. And then yeah. what wound up happening is she just stuck to her guns and like, we are a vegan, gluten-free bakery. So what would happen? People would drive out of their way to go to that bakery because it was so specific. And so yes. then they started being, they carried her stuff in Dean and DeLuca and they carried her stuff in in Whole Foods and all of this stuff. And it literally snowballed because she chose to go deep as opposed to wide. And this is what I'm always preaching. This is what makes sense to me. And this is the, you have to ask yourself, what's the life that you want? You know, what are you yeah. building? What actually feels good to you? Insofar as we're talking about intimacy, you also have a podcast. And how do you feel? I have a couple of questions to ask you about this, but mm. how do you feel in general your podcast has helped your business and helped you connect with your audience? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I want to dive deep into this. I want to say one thing on what you were just finishing up on because yeah. I say this all the time and I love that you were speaking to like she doubled down on that and then it totally skyrocketed. I see that all the time when I'm talking to my stylist about niching down. Don't be a generalist. I take it to medicine because yes. again, that's part of yeah. my brain. But stop being a generalist. Stop being someone who does anything at all times and think about, let's just say, let's pick a body part. Let's pick the nose. You wanted to get a nose job. Are you going to go to a general surgeon or are you going to go to the nose doctor of Beverly Hills that yeah. everyone goes to and their nose all looks sick and you love their noses? Who are you going to pick, right? So don't be afraid to be a specialist and also don't be afraid of not being in everyone's price range. I all the time say we are not the low price leader of fashion. We never will be. I am not the Walmart of fashion and I know that and I'm okay with that because my people that are at my vibe that want what we've got, we are a full service. We are all in. It is a high level of support and that means you pay premium and I'm cool with that because then we're working with our dream boats. We work with people that I'm like, I could spend years with just this one person and be like mind blown so excited. So don't be afraid to not be the low price leader of whatever yeah, you're doing and be that. a specialist back to what you were asking, my podcast. So the podcast is honestly my new biggest obsession. I am so obsessed with it. And what it has done is allowed me to bring out my personality, how I teach, have people get to know me on the level of like what you and I do, Kath, and like what I do with my students. Because Instagram's great. You can see the beautiful photos. You see me on stories from time to time. You get inspiration. But what I genuinely, we just had a launch where I had opening for stylist school. We got a whole new cohort of people that want to become stylists. And this one lady said, I'm so glad I joined your live event. I wasn't sure if I liked like who you were, your vibe or whatever from your Instagram because I couldn't really tell. You seemed really serious on your Instagram. But on this live event, you're so fun and like you're saying like such good things and I'm connecting with it. So I've been able to take that and put it into free content that is not necessarily business content. I mean, some of them are me and my partner talking about trends that we like or doing like a, we call it the Hey Babe series that we did a road trip from California to Florida last holiday and every random once in a while, 
my partner runs our social media and they're very good at it. They grew their own social media. Anyway, they would like pop the camera on. And before this, before Cody took over, I was very like, okay, I got to have my makeup done. I got to have my hair done. I got to look good for the stories. And Cody was like, no, people just love you. Like, just get on there. But I had this like hesitancy of like, I don't know if I can do it. But so Cody in the car would just like turn on the camera and be like, hey, babe. And I'd be like, oh, God, hi. <laughs> like, hey. And you guys, I've never gotten so many responses in my Instagram than those hey, babe videos that people were like, more hey, babe. We want hey, babe to be a series. So we're able to put some of that on the podcast. Who is Kate? What am I all about? Hear me teach. I mean, it just allows people to really get my vibe in a free way on any platform and not have to wait until a live event to see like, do I like her vibe or do I not? Like I can kind of get it on Instagram and she's got good content out there, but I don't think I know her. And gone are the days where people will hire you before they know you. People's BS meter is at like so sensitive. Like they can spot it from a mile away and be like, I call BS. I don't vibe with it. I don't jive with it. So people want to get to know you, especially in my world. Styling is very personal. I'm literally in someone's closet or in the dressing room with them or what is very personal. You better believe they're buying me. So I have to give them an opportunity to get to know me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so happy to see the way you like light up and talk about your podcast. And I love it. And you sort of just opened the door to this on many levels. But I reached out to you like four months ago just to say I was so proud of you for sharing such a really personal episode where Kate was talking about her partner, Cody, and how she was like, all right, guys, I'm going to be super vulnerable with you. Like, here's my story. Like, you know, I dated this guy and then I dated this guy and I never really could figure it out. And I was like, I haven't met the right guy. And then eventually I was like, am I supposed to date guys? And like, she had this like really just giant, like, here's me, here it yeah. is. Yeah. And I don't know how scary that is. I was going to say, I know from what you told me that that was something that weighed on you for a while. It was yeah. like, can I be myself? I'm still figuring out who I am. And a lot of people, you guys, are the kind of people like, I just fall in love with who I love. I don't know if that even makes me a thing or a this or that. I mean, it's so many things at one time. And then there's all this fear of like, will I belong? Will people exit? Will people leave? What's so beautiful about having a podcast is it's a long conversation. It's not a 90 second. Yeah. It gives yeah. you an opportunity to be like, I'm just a human being trying to figure it out. This is where I am. And it was so vulnerable and so real. And you were like, I I didn't have an answer. I I was trying to figure it out. Have you ever felt like this? Like, I'm trying to make sense of who I am and I'm trying to make sense of my life. And all I can tell you is I love this person. That's all I know. That's all I can tell you. And it was just like, it was a very unique, (laughs) I mean, for so many reasons, because you're so unique. It was just such a refreshing, heartbreaking, gorgeous, beautiful, like, very raw conversation about your family and you and where you've been and where you're going and what you've gone through and what you're dreaming into and all of that stuff. And I just want to say congratulations for being brave. Thank you. We're not all the same, but no. love doesn't mean being the same. <laughs> love no. means you choose to be loving to someone. And and I think that that is probably the biggest win in having a podcast is using it like that. It's, yeah. Is giving yourself the opportunity to be genuine. So I just wanted to ask you, how do you feel since then? And how do you feel that's affected your business? Or how do you feel it's affected you and your confidence or your life? Do you feel like, yeah, how do you, do you feel different since then? Yeah. I think that the biggest thing with that is that it allowed for me to 
go into another depth with it because we did like a hard launch on my Instagram, I would say. But in retrospect, it feels like a soft launch compared to the the podcast episode. But before we did that, I had been with Cody for probably a year and a half at that point. And really only those who were closest to me, I mean, it was like Kathy, our friend Heidi, and like a handful of other people knew about Cody and knew about my life. Nobody else really did outside of that in my family. Nobody else really did outside of that because I was navigating it for myself. I had come from like a hetero world of, and also being, you know, most of my life hearing one rhetoric of like, what's right and what's wrong. And, and I was just like, oh God, I'm, now I'm breaking the mold again. And what if I'm not accepted? So I was going through my own process of, is this going to be accepted? And finally something shifted where I was like, this is so not about me being accepted. This is about, I have a partner who I love and I want to spend the rest of my life with and I can't not talk about them anymore. That is so selfish of me to not want to share with the world who this incredible friggin' person is. And if this helps one person feel like it's okay to be seen and and love is love and, and whatever, then let's do it. So I said to the team, <laughs> we will lose people. I know that already. And I'm fine with that. I was a little bit nervous about the backlash that I would receive in Instagram, just like in the DMs or whatever, because there was also certain people following me that I just expected to rip me a new one. But I put it out there. I put it on all the socials. And again, I thought it was a hard launch at the time, but it was a soft launch in retrospect. Put it out there. Lots of pictures of Cody, a little bit about our story. We lost followers. But I said to the team, I genuinely don't know why they were following me to begin with, because I've never been secretive about supporting everyone and loving everyone. So it should have been clear. But if that made you leave best of luck on your journey. I am not your vibe, nor should I be. So that's great. Bye-bye. But you guys, I didn't get one single hate message. People left and that's fine, but it was so refreshing to see that people could just leave without announcing it. One of my friends, she has a gay brother and she's also Mormon, but she was sharing on her platform, you know, how much love and support she has for her brother and like talking about his husband and everything like that. And she got messages saying, I can't believe you're posting this. I'm leaving. And she put it on her social. I love when people kind of like share with other people what's going on. She put it on her social and she said, just as a heads up, this is not an airport. You don't have to announce your departure. You can just go. And I was like, I'm using that. Somewhere along the line, I'm using that because I love it. But the point is, I did that. And then when it came to the podcast, Cody said, nobody knows your story. And what if it would help somebody? What if it would help somebody to see that like, you didn't realize that you wanted to date women or non-binary individuals until you were genuinely about 40, like 39, 40. That's late in life to recognize, oh, that's why nothing else worked. Got it. Like, now I get it. It wasn't meant to work. Got it. And I was like, you're right. This is, again, not about me. It was about helping other people and showing people Whatever you are, you still get a place in this world and you have an impact. And by the way, the person that I love also deserves to be shouted from the rooftops. Yeah. So it allowed for that depth. And the backlash since then has just been deeper conversations, more authenticity, more people saying, I'm obsessed with your podcast. People that will message us saying, 
I have nothing to do with fashion. I have nothing to do with style, but I love listening to your podcast and more of Cody, like bring Cody on more. <laughs> like, to, So we're like trying to do that as well, but it's allowed for more depth. It's allowed for more realness, more yeah. authenticity, connection. Yeah, it's incredible. And And what's universal about what you're saying is that we all have something about us or something that that we're holding on to that that we're worried will make us not belong totally and, and that is something that weighs on us heavily i remember when i was interviewing brandy carlisle who's so amazing god, she's and so incredible oh my god yeah, it's insane <laughs> but what i found interesting was like everything she said was interesting but i remember this part of the conversation which it's on the podcast and she talked about her journey and you know coming out and what she went through with that and that was like, you know, I was expecting that part of the conversation because I, I don't know, I, I just expected her to have that chapter. What she said, she goes, you know what you won't expect? She said, once I came out and then I still was in love with Jesus. She goes, I'm a Jesus girl. I lost people then who were like, <laughs> I can't accept you that you're a lesbian who wants to go to church. And she's <laughs> like, I was like, well, I'm not letting you go. God, sorry. It was so interesting. She's like, yeah. so I got like this double punch. And you know what I mean? And then she was like, and I had, I started, we were both bawling. You know, she's like, isn't that fascinating? Like, in order to be this, I can't be this. And yeah, like, not, you know what I mean? So the point is that everybody has to decide to be themselves because there is no way you're going to gumby yourself into being what every single person is going to decide is okay for them. No. And that is exhausting. That yeah. is exhausting. And so I'm so proud of you. I'm so inspired that you can just sit here and just be like, this is the truth. And oh my gosh, we all have so many things like that, that we just wish we could go to Thanksgiving dinner and be like, this is it. <laughs> you know? yeah. Whatever the topic is. And may we all be blessed to have the courage to start to say this is it. I mean, this is why you should have a podcast for your own sense of satisfaction that you go to bed at night every day knowing you're living on your terms, you know, like yeah. you're who you are. And we all need to be that because it inspires everyone no matter what it is that is their story. So I'm grateful that you're you're sharing that. I and I think you can also borrow my belief if you need to. Anyone that's listening to this, I have my stylist borrow this too. There was somewhere along my life where I stopped caring about, and this was before Cody, stopped caring as much about what other people thought about me. And I adopted this new way of being of, unless you tell me otherwise, I think you think everything I do is amazing. I think you love me. I think that you're not uh -huh. mad at me. I think you're happy with everything that we've ever done together. Right. Unless you tell me otherwise, I don't have the time or the bandwidth <laughs> to yes. worry about whether you do or don't like me. So I'm just assuming you do. You yeah. want to tell me differently? That's fine. You're mad at me. You better tell me because I'm assuming you think everything is great. <laughs> yeah. And that's beautiful. And the truth is that whether that actually is true or not, on some level, there is a highest and best part that exists inside of people. And we can just be available for that. Meaning to say that even if people are in their stuff, you can just be like, that's contrast. You know, that's them yeah. being triggered. That's them in their own shame. Yeah. And they're just projecting it. You know, that's what people yeah. do. They project their own stuff. So one of the things that you've done really well, just to go even further with this, you and I both from our podcast and from the things that we do, you started out as a stylist who still is a stylist and you teach people how to do that. And everything that I've ever done well, whether it's songwriting or podcasting, I'm like, I'll teach you how to do it. I'll teach yeah. you how to create a, an income from your passion project. 
you and I both have found a lot of like just impact and also fulfillment teaching online courses because we don't mm. teach them the way the way people may think that they go. Like, you know, just because mm. it's online, there's nothing that feels two dimensional about when you and I no. are teaching an online class. It just happens to be that we're using that technology. What is it about that that you think people should become curious in their own life about thinking about that as a potential offer to teach what they know, to create a path online? One of your mentors, James Wedmore, is really great at helping people to create that kind of a thing where they're they're making money in the information space. They're learning yeah. how to teach courses and he's great at it. And he's also very deep. Like I feel like people yeah. who know him for like a minute are like, I'd be friends with him. Like he's cool. He's not slick. He's just like an honest, very smart human being. And you lead your business like that. So what do you think people might want to consider once you have this intimacy with an audience? Why might they want to go into online courses and things like that? And what have you learned about it that changed your business? I would say the first thing you want to think about is what makes you uniquely you? What makes you different about the way you're doing that thing? So for me, it was I was achieving success. I was seeing success. And I also knew I was not buying into the rhetoric. That was setting me apart because everyone else in the industry that I was talking to was saying, suffer, struggle, long time. And I was like, no. So what set me apart was, I don't buy that. I think there's a different way and I'm going to prove it. And then once I proved it, I wanted to share it with everyone. And that takes me to, to step number two is, if you know in you, like, I can't not do this, then you must. Yeah. What that means at a very cellular level is that there are people out there that need what you have, the way that you teach it, in the unique experience you have had, and they are desperately trying to find you. But right now you're the internet's best kept secret because you're not putting your stuff out there. You're not helping them. You're not sharing it with them. You're not making it a thing, which if you really look down to that, I know Kath and I feel the same way on this. It's a little selfish, right? So yeah. I can't not do it. It would be selfish of me to keep this under a rock and be a gatekeeper for how I reach this level of success and continue to reach more and more levels. It's selfish. So if I'm here on this planet to make a difference and I want to be a light, it is my responsibility to ask myself, and it is yours as well if you're listening, to ask yourself, how can I serve my people best? How can I serve them best? If it is something like an online course, amazing. And to Kathy's point, it doesn't have to be, I have the modules and I like, it doesn't have to be robotic. Make it what you want the way you would consume it. Kathy and I are similar in that we have content in our membership sites. Go there. There's plenty of content. There's also hundreds of calls you could listen to, but I'm always going to show up authentically on time for you with some sort of a download, some sort of an intuitive hit or something that's working for us. And we're going to do it. We're going to get you the momentum. So that's what I would say would be the kind of like encapsulation of that. I love that. So my last question is, if you had to just riff on what do you think it takes to hit your first million? Like what's Mm -hmm. one of the things that you think people need to focus on in their business? Is it team? Is it mindset? Is it your offer? Is it your pricing? There's literally, we can talk forever about all these things. But what's one of those things that stands out to you that was your unlock to go from six to seven figures? Yes to all of the above. (laughs) Yeah, all of them. Exactly. It definitely is team. It definitely is prices. It definitely is your offer. You want to have an irresistible offer. But really, when you come down to the core of it, 
it is being unattached to that outcome from the perspective of making it mean something about you. So whether you do or you don't hit six figures or seven figures, stop making that mean something about you. Just look at what is working, what is not working. How do I want to steer the ship in a different direction? I'm not giving up the helm. Like I'm I'm still going to steer the ship, but maybe I want to go differently. Stop making it mean so much about you or what you're doing or what you're not doing or someone's doing better. Get out of the comparisonitis and allow yourself to flow. Because yes, logistically, team is a must. When I hired my first team member, she was part-time. She's now my integrator, which in the corporate world, you would compare that to like a COO. She worked for me part-time. The year before I I had hired her, I made $50,000. It was my second year of my business. The year I hired her, I made $100,000. She doubled what was possible for me. And she was part-time, you guys, for the whole year, she was part-time. It just allowed for so much more possibility. I also was very clear on my offer and I was a specialist. I was not a generalist saying this works for everyone because if you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to nobody. Nobody will be listening. You're too general. They need to hear themselves in what you're saying and connect so you really can help them. So don't be afraid to specialize. Get clear on what it is that you're wanting to offer to your people and make it irresistible, which means value add, over deliver, not to the point of you're not getting paid for it. Don't do that. But over deliver on what they even think they're showing up for. An example of that is people sign up for my courses because they want systems and structures and scalability and consistency. What they get is transformation. What they're Uh, actually buying is transformation. So get really clear. So good. That is so good and so enlightening. I love all those answers. Tell everybody where they can follow you, where they can be a part of your world. So it's basically Kate Taylor Stylist on all the things. Instagram is at Kate Taylor Stylist. My website is Kate Taylor Stylist. My podcast is The Kate Taylor Show. So definitely check out The Kate Taylor Show. You can listen to that episode we were talking about. It's on there. It's like styling out of the closet or something. We did a little like play on words about coming out of the closet. But yeah, Kate Taylor Stylist on all the things and definitely... Pop into my DMs. Let me know what you thought about today. Go listen to the podcast, whatever you want. You are so generous. You are as generous as you are such a beautiful human being. And I so appreciate you. I think that we got like a full deep dive into business on so many levels and into just being a happier version of ourselves. Thank you for being that possibility. You talked about being that as an example, and you're so good at it. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. And if anybody has any inkling that you want to be a stylist, you should get your butt over there for those reasons as well, because she's so (laughs) great at teaching you how to monetize that. Thank you, Kate. You're the best. Have a great day. I had so much fun chatting with Kate. Here are the takeaways. Number one, trust yourself. Number two, You don't need the perfect website. You don't need the perfect social media. The number one thing you should focus on is learning what your client needs. Number three, where you want to go, what you dream of, where you see yourself, it's already a done deal. You don't have to strive and hope that one day it's you. It's already you. You just get to decide which path is going to take you there. Number four, instead of trying to play the wide game, play the depth game. You want connection, community, and conversation. Number five, don't be a generalist, be a specialist. Number six, whoever you are, you still get a place in this world and you have an impact. Number seven, everybody has to decide to be themselves. And number eight, if deep down you know that you can't not do this, then you have to. There are people out there who need what you have and they're desperately trying to find you. Don't be the internet's best kept secret. Put yourself out there. Before we wrap up, I want to celebrate the students from our podcast program. 
Here's a shout out to Gloria Muniz, her Glow Frequency podcast, Liza Jane Wolf and her podcast Life with Liza, Katie Furinis and her show Mom on the Verge, and Erica Philipson, host of the Unreasonable Humans podcast. Such amazing women. I'm so proud that they're putting themselves out in the world and sharing their voices. We're going to have the links in the show notes so you guys can go listen to these incredible women and their podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I know that there's just so much going on. Everyone's getting back into the swing of things after the holidays. I appreciate so much that you're here. There's so many good episodes coming up. So please follow along on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening. And if you love the show, please leave us a review. If you can think of someone you know who would love the episodes, whether it's this episode or a different one, go ahead and share the link with them. And finally, if you want to join me for the free event, Wealthy Woman Within, then go sign up. It's free at kathyheller.com slash wealth. That means we'll be together for the week of January 22nd. I'm really looking forward to it. Love you so much. I'll leave you with a song. I'll talk to you soon. Everybody's got a little something. Everybody's got a little care. Everybody's got a little spark to give. Come on, give it away. Let your colors shine. Let your colors shine. Come on, let your colors shine. Let your colors shine. You can teach the world a little something. You can show the world what you got. You can light the sky up in fireworks. Violet, gold, crimson, blue. Let your colors shine. Let your colors shine. Come on. Shot.